Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Tuesday, August 15th. How is everyone doing tonight? I'm doing good, and I hope you are too. The sick podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, named by the Financial Times as one of America's fastest growing companies in 2023. Uh, they've been recognized by the Globe and Mail as a top growing Canadian company for over two years in a row now. As a matter of fact, I spoke to their very own Sean Gerard earlier today. He's a busy man. I love that guy. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies providing end-to-end logistics services. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. If I was you, I would want to work for Sean Gerard and Mike Cinquino. Join the Energy team. Also brought to you in part by La Bit TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bit TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with some premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit TB, embrace your true nature. And brought to you in part by Playground, where uh, I've been there a couple of times in the past week. And uh, will I go again? Uh, maybe, maybe. On Sunday night, we'll see open 24-7. Drinks are always free while you play. Over 600 machines, daily promotions, including Bust the Bank Pirate Edition with a 100000 weekly top prize every Sunday and a $1 million top prize at the grand finale on September 10th, located just 
over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It is playground. Earlier today, we were waiting, we were waiting, we were waiting for it to happen. We kind of thought it was going to happen when nine days ago, Kent Hughes made a deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins and reacquired Jeff Petrie. And a lot of people were saying to themselves, what's going on here? Is Petrie going to play for the Montreal Canadiens again? And those who were uh, using some common sense said, no, this is, it's going to be some asset management. And they were just trying to part ways with Mike Hoffman's contract. And chances are Petrie won't play here. Mind you, some today are saying, weren't they better off actually keeping him, raising his value and then trading him? It's something we're going to discuss for sure. But at 1.44 PM, the Montreal Canadiens made it official. Uh, Jeff Petrie traded to the Detroit Red Wings in return, the Montreal Canadiens obtained Gustav Lindstrom and a conditional pick, fourth-round pick in 2025. The Montreal Canadiens have retained 50% of Jeff Petrie's salary. One guy who's in the know when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens, and he's on top of everything, especially Jeff Petrie, because he told us, you know, he was he's close to the situation. He told us that the last time we spoke to him, which was, when was it? Not this past Monday, but the Monday before. Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. What's going on? What's up, Tony? How are you? Very, very good. Is that the same shirt when we talked last time, but it actually looked lighter? And today, because of the lighting in your house, it probably looks darker. Is that it? I don't or- know how it works with the lighting here, but this shirt is actually black. It looks purple. <laughs> the shirt is black? I know, right? Are you serious with me right now? It might just be the lighting settings on my computer. I have no idea. That's unbelievable. The shirt you're wearing. That's why is you know I write for a living and you do podcasting. I'm no technician. Wow, here. wow. You would never think that the shirt that I'm wearing tonight is actually purple, would you? No. No. Well, it's not. It's black. I, ass- I assure you, this one is black, but <laughs> it doesn't look that way. All anyway. right, my man. Okay. So anyway, we got that out of the way. Um, I know that you were on the Zoom call with uh, Kent Hughes uh, earlier today when it was going down. Uh, I, unfortunately, was not on it because I had a planned deep tissue sports massage. Uh, Yeah, that I uh, had with uh, my buddy um, over at Optimal Stretch Clinic, 4710 St. Ambroise in Point St. Charles. And uh, they stretched me out pretty good. So... Um, but I know you're on it and tell me before we get to it, uh, your thoughts. I Ken Hughes really did something good for Jeff Petrie here. You know, I think it must've been a difficult situation calling up Jeff Petrie, like you said, nine, 10 days ago and saying, Hey, like, I know you were, I was probably the last person uh, you expected to hear from. And we had an opportunity for our club and that's why we made this decision. And, you know, I think Jeff Petrie for a very long time, the Petrie family have likely wanted to be in Detroit. And, um, you know, I think Kent Hughes could have traded him to a couple of different places, especially if Jeff was willing to be flexible with his no trade list. Um, but he was able to trade him to Detroit. And he may have even taken a bit of a lesser um, return to do that, uh, to do something solid, because the Canadians got what they wanted out of the deal that they made with Pittsburgh, which was to get Mike Hoffman off the books to move Rem Pitlick to a place where he'd have a better opportunity than the one he was getting in Montreal, to free up space for some younger players. They got a prospect in the deal. They got a second-round pick in 2025, which they believe is a draft that's going to be better than 2024. And, um, you know, I think Ken Hughes could have held. He could have said, look, you know, Jeff Petrie's coming to Montreal until we find a better better place for him. And, 
you know, we'll, we'll get the best possible trade. But I don't think he wanted to put Jeff Petrie in that situation. And, and that's why the deal was made. Kent Hughes, from the minute he was hired by the Canadians, um, came in and, A, I think he is... Um, so I love the guy. I really, really love the guy. I think out of all the GMs they've ever had that I've seen here in my lifetime covering the team or watching back as a fan, he's the one who most operates like a stockbroker. I haven't seen a Canadian's general manager operate like a stockbroker like this guy before. I mean, he's buying stocks, he's buying them low, he's selling them high. Uh, sometimes he's holding on to them, and then you know, but he, he, he's never he's never at a loss, and he's basically sometimes trading one stock to end up getting two stocks or three stocks in return. Uh, he doesn't only deal with penny stocks; he, he he deals with all kinds of stocks, and I think you're right. Uh, he did the Petrie family a favor, but he didn't do them a favor to hurt his club. He ended up doing them a favor, but in the process, he added assets to his team. He basically stocked the cupboards with a younger player, who whether he pans out or he doesn't, and a draft pick. You save a little bit of money. It's business. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. He is. I think that I think that's a pretty good analogy that you came up with there. I think there was a lot of humanity in this move, which is nice to see. And it's it's you know I think maybe if Ken Hughes didn't have the experience he had as a longtime agent, maybe he'd have gone about it differently. But you know you in this world, no matter what you do, if you lead with empathy, I don't think you're ever going wrong. You know, you got to put yourself in other people's shoes. You got to think about them, and you got to think about the way they feel about things. Um, I know I try to do that a lot in my work. Um, you know, I'm sure you do too, Tony. You have to think about things from other people's perspective, and you have to care about human beings. And at the end of the day, uh, yeah, you know, Ken Hughes is in a position as a general manager to treat human beings somewhat as commodities, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to lose humanity in the process. And uh, I think. This was a nice thing, and I think it'll resonate across the league. You know, I, I think a lot of people will notice uh, what Kent Hughes did here, and and I don't think it'll. It's not like it's going to be majorly beneficial to the Canadians in terms of their reputation and Kent Hughes' reputation and the type of organization they're running, but it's definitely not going to hurt them. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, he got what he wanted out of this deal to begin with. Um, he could have been greedier, and he could have traded Petrie for a better return. Um, but he, he traded him for a return that still helps the Canadians and puts Petrie in a situation that is much better for him and, and good for them. I, I wish them well in Detroit. You know, that's where they've wanted to be for a long time now, and that's yeah. where they are. So we know that when it comes to free agency, that Montreal is not the number one destination in the league. They're not number two. Heck, they're not number five. And let's be honest, they're probably even not in the top ten. Uh, Montreal hasn't had a lot of success with free agents over the last 15 or 20 years. Mind you, it's ironic that Jeff Petrie was one of them who, when his contract was up after he was acquired, he, I think he could have gone to free agency. And there were a couple of players who could have gone to free agency. They ended up staying here and signing here. But, look, you, chances are you'd rather go to Vegas. 
chances are you'd rather go to Dallas. Chances are you'd rather go to Anaheim. Chances are you'd rather go to San Jose. Chances are you'd rather go to Los Angeles. Chances are you'd rather go to Dallas. Chances are you'd rather go to Florida. Chances are you'd rather go to Tampa. I mean, and the list goes on and on. But by being this way with players, meeting with them, talking with them, I'm going to try and help you out. Be patient. I'm going to try and help you out. Be patient. Uh, I'm going to try and do whatever is best for you and your family. Those players end up leaving, not with a sour taste in their mouth the way some of them used to, but actually a smile on their face saying, you know what? I wasn't treated as a number. I was treated as a real human being. There was a lot of respect. And unfortunately, not a lot of employees have a good exit with their employer. Whether they're let go or they choose to walk away, there is a lack of respect more often than not. There isn't with use, and this is his way of maybe taking that whole thing that Montreal is not a preferred destination, and he's trying to change it just by the way he treats people. And what's I don't think like, it's I sound like the president of the Kent Hughes fan club. No, no. But, you know, if I didn't like what he was doing, I would tell you I didn't like what he was doing. He's doing it right, man. Yeah, no, listen, I agree. Um, I, I don't think it hurts the Canadians in this regard. Whether or not it helps them, we'll find out. There are other things that they've done that are helping them. And hiring Marty St. Louis is right at the top of the list. Um, there are a lot of players in the league that are looking at what's going on there and saying, you know what, if I get the opportunity and they're interested, it's something I'd consider when maybe they wouldn't have before. Um, I think it did them wonders in terms of signing their own college free agents. And uh, I think the NHL is a very small community. Uh, everybody talks and everybody knows each other. And the word is getting out there. You know, like, will will that overwhelm the issues of playing in Montreal, whether it be the pressure from the fan base and the media or the weather or the tax situation uh, or playing in Canada versus playing the States or playing, you know, here versus going to a market where there's no state tax. There's a lot of things that factor into it. Ultimately, you know, a lot of players who get into the situation where they have the opportunity to choose where they want to play want to be somewhere where they believe they have a chance to win. Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty paramount. And they want to be also in a situation where they're playing for a coach that will value them for who they are as a player, get the best out of them and give them opportunity. Um, and then all those other things come into the equation. Uh, you know, you could list them in whatever order you want. And I guess it really depends on the person, but if Montreal was lower down on the lists, and I think we'd acknowledge that every market in Canada was lower down in the list, especially through the pandemic uh, and coming out of it, I think it's rising. I think it's rising because of stuff like Kent Hughes is doing with Jeff Petrie and, but really rising because of what Marty St. Louis is doing with the Canadians. A uh, shout-out to um, Murphy Clinic, an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal Shop Angus and the second on the North Shore in Tarbonne. They're also opening soon in Quebec City. Visit murphyclinic.ca or on Instagram at murphyclinic. Listen, uh, this wasn't in the plans to actually talk about this because I was going to stick to the Montreal Canadiens. But having said that, Petrie traded 
to the Detroit Red Wings, a team that is supposed to be rebuilding, you would think that they're probably a little bit more ahead of the Canadians in terms of the rebuild because they had started before. They do have a couple of young defensemen, uh, but I, I don't know. I'm a little bit surprised with Petrie becoming a, a Red Wing at his age. I, I totally understand why they did it, number one. They're probably going to pair him with Sharat, so they're thinking there's going to be some chemistry there because, of course, at times they play together. And number two, number two, uh, they probably bring him in and say, you know what, we're going to need to surround some of these young players that we have on D with some veterans. Are you surprised by Petrie going to Detroit? Not really, no. Like I, I think Detroit has always been interested in the player as long as the price was right and the term was right. And now they get him in two years at $2.34 bucks. Um, that's a good price and a good situation. He's had some injury issues over the last couple of years, so we'll see how that plays out. I think from their perspective, they could do worse than to have Sherrod and Petrie as potentially even a third pairing um, or even a second pairing. Uh, guys with experience, it's a good thing to have in their locker room, and he's going to have the hometown pride of playing in Detroit where his dad was an illustrious baseball player and, yeah, and for they sure. have a, a home there, right? So, yeah. You know, Detroit's an interesting team. I thought they'd take a bigger step than they did last year. I think they'll take a bigger step this year. The Brinkat's there now. They've they've got some really good young players on the rise. They've got a third line of monsters, uh, some Swedish kids. Uh, Soderblom sticks out. Yeah. Um, some real good prospects developing. thought that was an interesting layer of this deal, actually, getting a, a right-handed Swedish defenseman back in it. You know, that's – you're looking – and Kent Hughes mentioned this in his call – Man, I don't think any team has drafted better out of that country than Detroit has. And um, turns out the pro scouting staff in Montreal was keen on this player that came back in Lindstrom. Uh, I don't think anybody expects it's going to be Lindstrom, but he's, you know, he's, they're looking at him as a guy that could be an NHL player. So it'll be interesting to see how this all develops. But Detroit, yeah, not surprised. And, uh, and really great for, for Jeff Petrie and his family. Like, yeah, but at the same time, at the same time, and I know what you're getting at, right? Uh, Detroit Red Wings, uh, Swedish amateur scout, uh, who's now the director of European scouting for the Red Wings, is Hawken Anderson. He's the guy that, uh, you know, Henrik Zetterberg and, uh, uh, and uh, Franzen, and uh, there have been several that were drafted by him out of, uh, out of Sweden. Um, but at the same time, uh, Thomas Holmstrom is another one, by the way. Um, what a beauty he was. Yeah, he was he was a beauty. But at the same time, you know, if he sees something in uh, in 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 Lindstrom, I don't think they're making this deal for veteran Jeff Petrie. Now, it doesn't mean that Lindstrom's not going to pan out, but I think what it means is D- Detroit doesn't think that he will. Well, they, they were they were okay with losing him in the deal, right? So, well, I know, but when you're losing him for uh, Jeff Petrie at his age, it's because you you don't think he's going to pan out, or else you're not making that move, are you? I mean, no, it's I not like they're trying I don't to know. I haven't spoken to them, but again, obviously yeah. they were okay with losing the player in the deal. So yeah, but we'll it's see. Not like uh, we're not going to build them up to be a superstar or anything. No, like that. no. But it might be a player that's coming back. We'll no, find out. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, no, no, he might, he might be a player, you're right, but it's not like the Detroit Red Wings were Jeff Petrie away from winning the Stanley Cup. So chances are they think that he's not uh, going to fulfill that potential that probably they saw in him. The beauty of the sport is only time will tell, and it's up to him. Let's hear from Kent Hughes earlier today on his Zoom call regarding 
Gustav Lindstrom. Gustav Lindstrom's concerned. Uh, our, you know, our pro guys like him. They feel like he's a really smart puck moving defenseman. Um, that he still has a lot of room to grow in his game. They, you know, I think the number that they threw out was he was about 70% of what they believe his potential is. Uh, and he's young. He's 24 years of age. He was a high draft pick. Um, you know, he's a Swedish player and Detroit's had a lot of success uh, in that country over the years drafting wise. So we're, we're, we're hopeful that Gustav can come and, and add an element to our team and we'll see where it takes us. All right. And uh, his thoughts on uh, on the trade. And I believe you were the one who asked him, Eric. So let's hear his thoughts. We should get it here. Just there we want go. want to get your thoughts on how you feel your roster is uh, equipped to handle an uber competitive division and uh, conference and, and what uh, what you think the future holds for the Canadians this year. Well, listen, we do have an overly competitive division or uber competitive, and I don't think that's going to change here um, in the near future. You know, I think it has been for some time, if you really look at it, right, where for a period of years you had Tampa, Boston, and Toronto. Uh, it's not like any of those teams are going anywhere, and, and now we've got the Buffaloes and Detroits and Ottawa's and Montreal's, uh, you know, trying to uh, – to, knock the door down here and, and climb into uh, a top three spot in the division. Uh, do I think we're ready? I, I think on paper, the, the answer is no. Uh, but I think I said that last year at the start of the season, you know, I'm an optimist and we're going to let things play out and there's a reason they play the games. And uh, I think we're a better team this year than we were last year. And, and, but you know, we've got a lot of work to do to become the team that we think we need to be. All right, there you have it. Uh, Kent Hughes, who's uh, not going to go as far as saying that his team is going to make the playoffs. Do I think we're going to be better than a year ago? Yes. Do I think we're quite there yet? No, but the game is played on the ice, so we're going to have to wait and see. But uh, all right, okay, saying basically what you just said, Detroit has success in drafting players from Sweden. Our scouts like him. Let's see what happens. Let's see if we can bring up his his, uh, player chart. Okay, there you have it. Gustav Lindstrom, who was drafted second round, 38th overall in 2017. Six foot two right handed defenseman who um, played for Frulunda. That's a pretty good program there in Sweden. And then, like the Red Wings usually do with the American Hockey League team, Grand Rapid, has played with Grand Rapids over the past couple of years. Uh, a total of what, about uh, 58 games or so, but has played with the Detroit Red Wings for the last couple of years as well. So, uh, And a couple of years before that, he played with Grand Rapids. Uh, 36 games, one goal, seven assists, eight points, 20 penalty minutes. It was a minus 16. It was a minus 12 a year ago. We have to keep in mind, however, that Detroit is not a very strong team. So where do you see, based on what you're hearing, I know you said you don't know a lot about the player, but the bid that you did here, Eric, where would you see Gustav Lindstrom on the debt chart? Probably in Laval, but, you know, he's coming into a competition with who exactly? David Savard, Jonathan Kovacevic, Justin Barron, Chris Weidman. It's not like there's zero opportunity for him to pierce his way through the right side of the Canadiens' defense right now. He, yeah. He comes to camp and plays great. Um, 
you know, he's got over 100 games of NHL experience, which is not something I could have told you before he was included in this trade. And that's rare because I like to think I know everybody in the NHL, but there's a couple that have slipped through the cracks that, that you know, I don't maybe see enough. And I didn't watch a lot of Detroit last year, so it mm-hmm. makes sense. But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like, the good news – you talked about David Savard, excuse me, Eric. You talked about David Savard. He's got two years left on a contract yeah. at three point five million. I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that next year will be his last full season with the Montreal Canadiens. He'll yeah, either I would I, I I it could be a stretch saying it, it'll be a full season for him. You really don't know. Well, That's usually tr- players are traded when they have either a year left on their contract or at the trade deadline of the final year of their contract. Right? He's got two years left on his deal. Yeah, but he's the type of player that I think has tremendous value with a year left on his deal. And I think the type of value that Joel Edmondson could have had had he not had the injury situations that he had. Yeah, you're right uh, about that because if Ed, if Edmondson was healthy, chances are he was going to go. Add in the fact that Savard is a right-handed defenseman. Now, Savard has value to the Canadians too. So, so long as his value to the Canadians is higher than what it would be in the market, uh, he'll remain a Montreal Canadian. But I think – as we get closer and closer to March, which thankfully we're very far away from that. Uh-huh. And it's still summer and we're not in hockey season and we're all enjoying our lives here. Uh, not that we don't enjoy hockey season. Um, it's going to be become more and more of a topic of conversation. I'm quite certain of that. And we'll see. I, I, I Like I said, nothing's imminent with David Savard. He's not going anywhere. But he's a player that at one year left with $3.5 million on the right side and what he's been able to do in Montreal, the way he's played, he's not a perfect player, obviously, but he's been quite valuable. Yeah. Uh, there will be teams out there that look at him and say, that would be a really great addition for us going on a playoff run. Yeah. If the Canadians are not where they hope to be by the time we get to the trade deadline. So the Canadians acquired Casey, the Smith and Jeff Petrie nine days ago. For those who thought that they were going to be Montreal Canadiens, of course, with each passing day that they have not been introduced, there hasn't been a press conference or anything like that. You haven't heard either of them speak. You started to get the feeling that they would be gone, and Petrie was gone earlier today. So now on to Casey the Smith, and Kent Hughes was asked about him. Let's hear what he had to say. Quatre gardiens qui veulent jouer dans la Ligue nationale. Alors, j'ai dit à Casey, écoute, euh, sois patient. Euh, l'idée, c'est pas de, euh, je cherche le mot un peu en français, mais de bury you dans, les, dans la Ligue américaine. Euh, alors, on va voir, on va continuer à regarder des, les choses qui peuvent, euh, les chances pour les changer ou faire de quoi pour changer un peu les choses. Euh, mais ça prend une patience avec, avec le marché des gardiens parce que ça bouge pas si vite que ça. All right, okay. Uh, he, he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, we find ourselves with four goalies who can play. Uh, I had a chance to speak with Casey, and I told him, hey, listen, uh, I know that there's a logjam here and stuff like that, but, it's you know, we're not looking to bury you in the American Hockey League. It's just going to take a little bit of patience on your part, whether it's a trade or something else materializes. But you know what? Just, you know, a little bit of patience here, and we'll keep you abreast of everything. It sounds like the plan is to trade him with leaving an opening that, hey, it's also possible that other goalies get moved and he stays here. But it sounds like the plan is to trade him. Is that your read into the situation as well? Yeah, listen, before the press conference happened, I tweeted out that I don't, 
I don't necessarily think Kent Hughes will be wheeling and dealing, but I do believe that he's not done here and that Casey DeSmith could be traded. Not a guarantee, but a chance. Um, as Kent said, the goaltending market is not exactly fruitful right now. You're, you're not going to see a bunch of goalies change teams between now and the start of the season. Um, is there a team out there that could guarantee Casey DeSmith an NHL position because he is an NHL goaltender? Um, I think that if there is, there's a likelihood that you'll see him move to that team. Whether or not there is, is up for debate. You know, like I think we're looking at a 50 50 situation here that Casey DeSmith could be at Montreal Canadiens training camp or he could be traded. And we'll see where it goes. Uh, you know, the other factor is Ken Hughes talked a lot about and was asked a lot about long term IR and Carey Price and not wanting to go into long term uh, IR in the off season because it creates a situation where you have to manage the cap to the point where you could have overages that leak into the following year. Yeah. And they're not looking to tie up their cap for the following year. Uh-huh. So, you know, right now working out the numbers, Casey DeSmith offhand, I haven't looked at it today, but I think is it $1.8 million? It is. Yeah. So there you go. There's, there's a possibility to create that flexibility and also, alleviate a bit of the logjam, but all like I don't think the Canadians will be upset if Casey DeSmith finds himself at Canadians camp and um, makes a push for, for a spot on the roster. It creates flexibility for them to do different things with their goaltenders. So we'll see where that all goes. But as I tweeted yeah. before Ken's press conference today, I think there's a chance that Casey DeSmith is going to get traded. And it creates internal competition, which is never a bad thing. On to Paul Byron. He was asked about him, and I think he confirmed what pretty much everyone was thinking. Let's hear from him. Probablement mieux de laisser à Paul. C'est sûr que son contrat est terminé. Euh, de qu'est-ce que je crois, euh, Paul n'a pas de plan de déménager de Montréal, mais j'imagine que qui aimera lui-même annoncer sa retraite. Ok. Puis il avait parlé. Il semblait être in, in, intéressé de garder un poste avec l'équipe. Euh, je ne sais pas dans quelle capacité. Est-ce que c'est quelque chose que vous avez discuté? Euh, c'est quelque chose qu'on va discuter cette année. On, on avait parlé de, d'avoir la chance de, de, de s'asseoir ensemble euh, au mois de septembre. All right, there you have it. Uh, Kent Hughes says, listen, his contract is up. Uh, he's Based on what I know, he doesn't want to move from Montreal. So it sounds like it's it's over. At the same time, he says, you know, I'm going to leave it up to Paul to personally announce himself his his own retirement then he was asked well it, it looks like he's working for the club or he wants to work for the club that's what it's we've been you know uh been made to believe and he said look we're we haven't talked yet and we're going to talk sometime in september we made it a point to touch base in september to talk about you know paul and you know furthering his uh career with the montreal Canadiens, probably in a, in a different role obviously so um you know nothing new there i mean i think it's the first time the general manager talks about it but I think it's safe to say that we all thought that Paul Byron was done, right? Yeah, it's really unfortunate. You know, he had hip surgery, hoped that it would work out, came back, and it just didn't work out. And uh, I hope he's living a pain-free existence. You know, like he has young kids, and he's very involved in their lives, and he's around the team. 
he was around all last year. And I think all last season, Paul Byron was really soaking in the opportunity to be around the team as someone who was under contract um, and really just, you know, have his family around being a Montreal Canadian and, and knowing that it, it could be the end for him. And I, I, it's, you never want to see players not be able to go out on their own terms, especially no. a guy like him and the way he fought to have a career in the NHL and what he was able to do with it. Um, if it's of any consolation of Paul, that the lasting image of his career will be that exceptional goal that he scored against Toronto in the playoffs. Short-handed on the breakaway, uh, falling I down mean, to his knees. You, and, could put, uh, you could put that image up next to yeah. you know, the Rocket shaking hands with the Bruins and, and all kinds of iconic images of Canadians' history. That was a goal for the ages, and, and uh, there is a picture of him you know, from his knees with the puck lifting off his stick. And he... In my years covering the Canadians, this will be the 16th. I haven't come across five people who are who are better than that guy. He, he really is an exceptional human being. He was profound when he spoke with us and really interesting and just a good, good person who everybody loves. And I, I think he can have a real influence on the younger generation of Montreal yeah. Canadians. And I think that's why yeah. a role with the organization makes sense. I tweeted my own speculation, my own opinion, that I think player development is a perfect fit for him, and he would be a really nice complement to a team that is already, I think, quite exceptional, which is a huge turnaround from where we were a couple of years ago with what the Canadians were doing from a development standpoint. But he'd be the icing on the cake there. He could teach the guys how to skate. I'll tell you that. It sounds like a pretty obvious one to me, but I don't know if you could teach that, but he, he can, yeah. uh, he well, can sure teach guys how to grind out tough situations. We know that, um, we know that making it to the show, making it to the national hockey league, it's an extremely hard thing to do. I mean, there's a reason when they talk about, you know, half a percent and then making it and stuff like that. It, it's, it's, probably even tougher to become a professional athlete, maybe more mentally than anything else, because the mental grind and the ups and downs are really unbelievable. Um, there's something about small players, right? There's something about small players where not too many people believe that they can make it to the show. Already it's tough to begin with, but the fact that they're not big and they lack size and most of them don't seem to be drafted. And a lot of them end up being up on the waivers. You know, we just talked about Byron and Marty St. Louis, another guy, right? And Daniel Briere was another guy. Like these, a lot of these guys, they don't get drafted. They end up on waivers. A lot of people don't believe in them. Those are the, especially the, all hockey players all have character, but those especially with that kind of profile, man, they got, they exude character. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Brendan Gallagher is another example, a fifth-round pick and a guy that yeah. people bet against and continue to bet against throughout his career. And, you know, there's a lot of people who say, oh, Brendan Gallagher, you know, you're never going to see the, the the old Brendan Gallagher again. And I I would I would never make that bet. You know, like, I understand Gallagher is limited in terms of what he'll be able to do. I, I don't expect to see him scoring 30 goal seasons again. Would I sit here and tell you I think it's impossible? No. Because I know what kind of determination Brendan Gallagher is, and I know what he puts into what he does, and I know how much it means to him. And I, I, I think, you know, it's funny. There were portions of last year before he got hurt where 
you know, Marty St. Louis was working so hard on him, uh, uh, with him on completing his game and evolving his game. Yeah. And there was so much evidence of it working, despite the fact that he was getting not a lot of luck when it comes to scoring. I, I, I don't think it's impossible that Brendan Gallagher will have another 20-goal season in him. Uh, I would not sit here betting my money on 30, but I definitely would not say, like, I would definitely not bet against the guy, like, ever. And and I think you're right. There's something to do with those guys. Yeah. They have a little inferiority complex or whatever it is, uh, whatever they pull on for motivation. I think Brendan has always said he wants to prove the people right that believe in him. Um, but I think all these guys have a bit of a chip on their shoulder, and that's how yeah. they get to, to be who they are. And I look at, you know, Cole Caulfield, too, as a smaller guy. And a lot of people say, well, will he be able to score in the NHL at that level? And uh, I think he's proving very quickly that he's able to do it. Yeah, well, with me, I, I, I don't look at gray areas. It's either black or white. I would. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I'll be happy to be wrong. And I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that I was. But I would bet against Brendan scoring with any kind of regularity because – as much as small players are very smart players and they have all kinds of character. Um, you don't think he could put 20 up again? 20 is feasible. 20 is feasible, but okay. I wouldn't bet on it. And, you know, it's a goal every four games on average. Uh, I would bet on him scoring 20 goals again. It's, look, it's very, very You want to make a friendly bet? Pick no one of your sponsors. I'll take you for dinner at one of those places if I'm wrong. Well, you know, chances are I wouldn't pay there anyway, so let's pick somewhere else. Okay, okay we'll but anyway, no, no, listen, yeah. Uh we'll uh we'll uh we'll go for a um we'll we'll go for a stake somewhere. But here's the 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 challenge with Gallagher, and I, I don't have to tell you this, I know you already know this, and small players is you know, the car once it starts going in the garage for repairs. It ends up going in the garage for repairs often. And that, I find, is the difference between putting up numbers and not putting up numbers. Once I don't know if that's exclusive to small players. I think that's you could say that about just about anybody. Yeah, it's a contact sport, and a lot of players get hurt. But it just seems like um, it's funny because it seems like it's either really, really small players or really, really big players that take a little bit longer to recover. I don't know if that's even true or false or if there's any fact behind that. It just seems that way to me. But anyway. Probably not. It's probably more perception than it is reality, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so the Canadians end up saving when all this is said and done about $1.4 million. I know we talked about it that, you know, they could have kept Jeff Petrie, could have played some really good hockey here. They could have ended up trading him and getting more than this, but they want to get the word around the league that they're going to try and help players as much as they can and are willing to improve their team. But maybe if, um, you know, they could have improved it a little bit more, but not help the player, rather help the player. You talked about possibility of more moves. If there is another move outside of Casey DeSmith and maybe Chris Weidman, what do you think it would be? I don't know that it'll necessarily be a, be a, a player coming back here that'll be on the roster. Um, could the Canadians potentially take on a contract and gain an asset? That's something I could see them doing. You know, they're one of the few teams that will have the space to do that when the time comes. Maybe not necessarily in the off season, but as soon as the season starts and carry prices on LTI. Uh-huh. So, I don't think that there's a specific target in terms of 
players coming in here, but there are a lot of teams that are really tied up against it and strapped, and they are still in the business here of collecting assets, not necessarily ones that they'll use draft picks, you know, if they acquire them, but they might move those assets at a later date. So I think they're one of the teams that you look at and say, okay, once the season starts, mm-hmm. 5 million bucks goes on LTI and there's space there that if they need to acquire a player or two that maybe is, is also in an, an LTI situation or, yeah. I what, do you think, that. what do you think is happening with this whole Logan Mayu situation? I mean, Gary Bettman was supposed to have a conversation with Mayu and then let, you know, members of the media know and the Canadians know if Logan Mayu can be, you know, reinstated in the National Hockey League. And uh, it just seems like this is uh, taking its time. It, do, you, do you think it's the time, t- do you take the time that, do you think the time that it's taking is already predetermined? In terms of, we just got to show people that we're taking our time with this because we no. take this very seriously. Because no, I don't think so. Uh, I think when the time, I think it's about where Logan Mayo is going to be come fall. Uh, there's no rush to get him cleared to play in the NHL if he's not going to be playing in the NHL. I got it's, it. So if the Montreal Canadiens would say to Gary Bevan, listen, Gary. This guy came into camp, and we think he's going to make our team. Can you let us know? And at that point, Gary Bettman. At that point, I think he'll be cleared. You know, Logan Mayu, all the evidence so far is that he's gone with the program that the Canadians have set forth and the London Knights set forth and a pretty strong rehabilitation. I'm not – I don't want to get my words twisted around here. Excusing anything he did, uh, what he did was inexcusable. But at the end of the day – uh, from everything I've heard, it's my expectation that he'll be cleared when the time comes for him to play in the NHL. I think so, too. Yeah, I, I don't think, think so. there'll be a hurdle here. I think that's a good way of looking at it, as a matter of fact. Gary Bettman doesn't have to rush into a decision. If he says now that Logan Mayu is cleared and Logan Mayu doesn't make the Montreal Canadiens, then he's giving a decision maybe at least a year ahead of time so he'll wait. He'll wait till the end of camp, and then if the Canadians say, "Gary, uh, this guy's going to make our team," at that point he gets cleared. I will say this: Logan Mayu is going to be a story in camp because because of the depth on the right side, which is not exceptionally strong. You're right. Because of who he is as a prospect in terms of his hockey playing ability. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to sit here and say, "Okay, he's ready for the NHL." That'll be up to Logan Mayu to prove. Um, well, he's got a profile on right defense that they don't have, he's, Eric. He's, he's very likely to start the year in the American Hockey League, if only for the fact that he needs to play games. Yes. Just He hasn't played enough games in the last few years, and there's a lot for him to learn through that process. But I will tell you that the Canadians think very highly of the hockey player, just talking about hockey, okay? And also, uh, you know, Rob Ramage, who has followed him very closely and been very in touch and very involved in mm-hmm. his process um really thinks he's he's matured a great deal and and has said that to the media members and but the canadians think he's going to be a real player and i think he's going to be a real player too whether or not that's this fall in the nhl is going to be a storyline because watch out when he comes to camp and i could tell you that there's there's defensemen on the montreal canadians that see him as competition 
I, I can tell you that right now. They, they were impressed with him a year ago, and they know that he's coming. So we'll see. That's going to be a really compelling storyline as we as we get closer and closer to the puck dropping, which it, it can't happen soon enough because, I don't know about you, I think training camp is about 10 days too long. Um, Always is, yeah. I really wish they would change Too many things. games. Too many games. Too many games. Nobody cares. Too many days. It's really – anyways. I'm Nobody not going to win this battle, but when's the uh, the golf tournament? It's uh, is it on the eleventh? Uh, haven't the, even looked. Yeah, don't even think about it. Yeah, Monday's the. I 11th. start thinking about it's hockey Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. You know, I really start thinking about it once once we're back. You know, like until then, I try to soak up every moment and live in the moment. You know, like, and then we get back, and I'm excited to be back. But I don't sit here with great anticipation before training camp rolls around because once it comes, it's too long. And everybody just wants the same thing, for the season to start sooner, for the season to end sooner, for more teams to be involved in the playoffs with 32 of them in the league. Uh, Everybody but one guy seems to want it that way. So, you know, it's what it is. Uh, You know, you talked about the preseason being too long. I I know that uh, not everybody agrees with me here. Wouldn't be the first time. It's not going to be the last. I personally think that the season lasts too long, too. I, I think that uh, 82 games is too much. But anyway, I understand that's what the owners want, and that's what the uh, the, uh, the the commissioner wants, and they want to maximize. But uh, I just think that uh, sometimes less is more. And uh, I'd love. I to think it would be. I think it would be so cool to have some sort of feasibility study on this because I think shortening the preseason. Shortening the regular season by four games, adding a couple of teams to the playoffs, having the playoffs play out, and the Stanley Cup awarded at the end of May. Yes. Um, I think whatever they lose at the gate in terms of cutting out preseason games and regular season games, they'd make up for in fans being engaged longer throughout the season, more fan bases being engaged by a couple teams being added to the playoff picture, and, and not just fan bases of those teams, fan bases of any teams that are on the bubble that could be those last two teams. You're you're talking yeah. about engaging another four to six teams right there. And yeah. the quality of play in general improving by a great deal. I think it would be a really interesting feasibility study. That's, that's that my main reason behind everything. Shorten the preseason, yeah. start the season earlier. I'd be willing to knock off two games per month personally. What's going to end up happening is you're going to have a lot less of three and fours and fours and sixes. You're going to have a lot less travel. By having less travel and less three and fours and less four and sixes, the players are fresher, which means they're going to less chance of injury, and they're going to be a lot more productive, which means you're going to have a lot better games and you're going to have a lot more entertaining hockey. You're going to have a lot more highlights. And the, 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 the Stanley Cup goes out by the end of May. And this, this way in June, you don't have to stay locked up in your house in the second week of June still watching the Cup to come out. You can actually take a walk in Little Italy and you can have a gelato. There's at least like six games a year where a team is on the second half of back-to-back or three and four nights playing yeah. against a team that's been rested for two days. And you're not getting a good game. You are not getting nope. a good game. Like nope. it, it, it's, it's impossible. So anyways... Eric, when you see the schedule and you already see that a team's going to be playing their fourth game in six nights, you know already. Like you said, you know you're not going to get a good game because there's even travel included in all that. They're tired. They're tired. They're tired. It's so, impossible. It's impossible yeah. to do. 
Like these guys are the best conditioned athletes in the world, but they're not machines. Like it's not, it's not possible to play a team that's rested for two days when you've been on the West coast playing three games and four nights and you come home and like a team sitting there waiting for you on the second half from back to back. Like yeah. you're not going to win. And Eric, for those who are going to say, yeah, yeah, but you know what? They, they need to, uh, uh, they need to have those amount of games because there's X amount of revenue that has to come in and this and that, whatever. I look, and now once again, a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but I need you to hear me out. Okay. I really want to have a shorter schedule. Okay. I don't want the players to have advertising all over their jerseys and be like a, a moving billboard. But if it means that by having less games, if the owners can compensate with less revenue by actually having the advertising on the jerseys, me personally, I would be all for it. But even uh, if they even if they weren't going down that path, which inevitably they are, um, I don't know if we'll ever see the day where the entire jersey's covered or anything like that. But even if they don't go down that path, I think what's the interesting debate is whether or not the increase in the quality of the game makes up for the revenue lost at the gate by shaving down the schedule. Yeah. So we'll never know because, uh, or at least we will know so long as Gary Batman is running the league because I don't think he has any interest in doing it. And whether or not some owners or governors have expressed their interest, uh, it's not an overwhelming majority of them that, that are interested. Not expanding the playoff picture to me, we could talk about all this. I mean, yeah, cut preseason in half. Like, honestly, cut cut training camp to preseason to yeah. two weeks. Period. Yeah. yeah. But, and I don't think anybody from players to management to coaches, except for the owners, if they're really concerned about the gate revenue that they get out of preseason hockey, like, I don't think anybody's debating that. But, like, honestly, like, not adding – a play-in with 32 teams in the league uh-huh. and, and arguing that it waters down what is the greatest playoff. Thing. Like, we love playoff hockey. Give, give me more of it. Yeah. I don't think we're getting a lesser quality if two teams that are ranked, you know, ninth and 10th respectively in their conference with the, with how tight the league is now and the parity that's been created, we're watering down the quality of playoff hockey. I, I yeah. think, if anything, we are engaging – yeah, like I said, not just those two teams' fan bases. We are engaging four to six extra fan bases per conference for that race, and eliminating more teams from tanking. There's, there's just, there's nobody who could argue with me. Uh, people could argue with me about it. I don't think anybody's winning the debate that the, the league wouldn't be better off expanding the playoff picture. It to me, it's a no-brainer at this point. And if they expand another couple teams, which seems to be on the horizon with Houston and, and Salt Lake City, because and, less yeah. less teams will want to tank at that point because they'll have a chance of getting into the playoffs. What you're saying? Yeah, yeah, no, I hear. Sure. And something. but you're also you're engaging so many more fans. Yeah, for a portion of the season where they've checked out. Speaking of which, I think that if you go in the playoffs. The rule should be one versus 16 and two versus 15 and three versus 14. And I understand why they don't do it, because if the two conferences are not balanced at that point, they're going to want to do the one versus eight and the two versus. I don't like it, but give me one eight. Give me give me one eight, two, seven. I think that's a format that makes a lot more sense, but I'm not going to argue with the current format. We've seen some great playoff hockey recently. I, I know that I was at a board of governors meeting and asked Gary Bemman from a revenue standpoint why they wouldn't consider 
expanding the playoff picture. And he felt that there was, he said that there, there would be no guarantee that revenue would increase as a result of increasing the playoff. And to yeah. me, that doesn't make any sense. And, and the, and the, the current form didn't have a right now, opportunity, the, but the, cur- the current format right now, of course, is that the first place team in the conference will play versus the last wild card or the eighth seed. And the second place team will end up playing versus the, uh, the, uh, the, the second wild card, and then, of course, the two teams from the two divisions, uh, the second and third place team of each division will end up playing each other up. But they, they've had so many different formats over the years, and uh, I, I don't know. I just you like think that. if the format was the traditional one, one eight two seven, you think the Leafs would have a Stanley Cup by now? You mean because they would have avoided Tampa? I mean, like, it's pretty crazy, like, pretty crazy what they've had to go through to get through the playoffs i mean montreal uh, that was one thing but i've always thought that the toronto maple Leafs would win a stanley cup with what they were trying to do and they haven't won it yet and in the end if they don't i'll say hey you know what uh the leafs but uh, you know they still give their fans pretty entertaining hockey of course by having players like austin matthews and mitch marner and nylander and list goes on and on and of course they added Tavares. but i mean adding Tavares, i'm not so sure it was the right thing to do at the time but he did have a good season last season. Eric, we've gone pretty long. This has been a lot of fun. We usually go longer during the season, but because it's summer, I mean, let's stop it right now. Thanks, Eric. We'll talk to you soon, my man. Pleasure. Take care, Tony. Great stuff as always. There you have it. If you like what we're doing, like it, share it with your friends. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. And if you're going to leave us a review on Apple, I'm hoping you can leave us a five-star review. And if you didn't like the podcast, leave us a five-star review anyway, because uh, I'll get to put more food on the table and uh, we all need to eat in my house. Probably me not as much because i've done my share for a couple of lifetimes but anyway thank you very much for watching it is the sick podcast we'll be back tomorrow night same time same place weeknights between 10 p.m and 11 p.m live on youtube facebook and twitter for shane gamal at master control he is gamal and i am marinaro usually when i talk i get paid another night and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. La Vida TV, embrace your true nature, and Playground, your premier gaming destination.